0: So I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 28. It will be up on the the screen behind me here if you uh, don't have your Bible with you. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, But will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house for the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give you this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor, and he made the camels kneel down outside a city by the well of water at the time of evening Shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden with whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar Upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, "I will draw water for your camels also, until they had finished drinking." So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the water to draw, to the well to draw water. And she drew from all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels, and said, Please, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor, she added. We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Reading the word. There's a lot going on here in this chapter. First, before we really dive in, I, I want us to to look and, and think about the, the death of Sarah. The, the death of Sarah took place at... And she was buried in a cave uh, known as Mechpelah. is in the very heart of what we know as the Promised Land. Now, this Abraham would have, would have seen this as a very declaration that this long this land belonged to him. He did not allow any man to just give him this cave. He paid way too much, way more than he should have for this, and he made that agreement as we discussed it in, in the the town center were with multiple witnesses, so no one would ever be able to contest whether or not Abraham owned the land. That his bride is now buried in. But we also must realize that for Abraham, Sarah's death is a fresh reminder that death comes for us all. Abraham would realize that while Sarah is now gone, Sarah was ten years younger than Abraham. Abraham realizes his days will not be forever. He will not be there to to see when when the land is fully possessed. He will not be there to, to, to see his descendants so numerous that they're more than the stars of the heavens or the sands of the seas, but that he's going to need to, to find a, a good and a noble wife for his, his uh, son Isaac. And I want us to realize, why doesn't Abraham want just any wife? You know, Isaac could have, he was, he was a son of a very wealthy man. he could have gone out and probably had just about any wife he wanted. The problem is, Abraham didn't want, want anybody to say that, that um, in the promised land, that, that God had promised Abraham that the land was acquired by someone else's daughter. He was going back to his family, to where God first made the promise. And so he sends his servant back to the land where God first told Abraham to leave and get out. And of course we see, and we'll go into the reaction a little bit, by, by Rebecca when, when she encounters the, this servant of Abraham. She would have known, known well that this servant... That this was indeed Abraham's own family. The first I'd like to, to look at, and some, sometimes it seems a little bit weird, the, the sign of the promise that, that is done here. Abraham wants this young man to put his hand under his thigh. Not, not something we see too often these days, do we? You know, if we're going to make a promise, maybe we'll shake hands, or if we're getting real serious, we'll write out a contract for lawyers to, to comb over and things like that. That is the way we do promises today. But I want us to see very clearly the, the way Abraham views this. The sign of the circumcision. That it was the sign of the covenant between God and Abraham. And so this man puts puts his hand on Abraham's inner thigh. And it's the place closest on Abraham's body to the sign of the covenant. This is Abraham. He, he is testifying to the faith that God is going to provide you a wife. God will go before you. You need not worry whether or not she's going to come back. You will not take my son away out of the land that is promised to him. You will go and, and God will provide you. Make this oath and if she refuses to come, then you are set free. But Abraham is completely sure that God is, is going to do this already. And, it, and it, we should be very uh, take very close note that this, this servant wasn't just any servant. This was the chief of his servants. This is the one that would have inherited everything if Isaac had not been born. Think about that. The one that is going to, to find an, a wife for Abraham's son is actually the, the one that, that would have inherited all of Abraham's belongings if God did not fulfill his word. He he is truly a, a remarkable man in, in scripture. We, we do not read a whole lot about him outside of his faithful service to Abraham. And I, I know many of us here, you know, there's not there's probably not going to be any books written about us. We're probably not going to be be recorded and we can't go to the family christian bookstore well you can't go there hardly at all anymore period but you won't be able to go to that bookstore and you know find and read about the faith 200 years from now of many of the individuals that sit in this church and churches throughout the land it does not mean that god does not pay attention to the faithfulness of his people Amen. god richly blesses this servant this this servant i i would compare to john the baptist john the baptist had a thriving ministry And some of his uh, disciples came up to him long after he had recognized Jesus as the Messiah and many of them started to follow Jesus. And they said, John, there's more going to Jesus to be baptized. And he says, He must become greater. I must become less. And this is the same way this servant's attitude he has. He realizes that God has made this promise to Abraham and that Isaac is Abraham's descendant. He is not but he is still blessed to be his servant, to be a servant of Abraham. Now, you and I, we, we may not be the great prophets of old. We may, may not be King David. We may, may not be Peter who get, got to walk on water. You may not be Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, whoever whoever your heroes of the faith are, but you get to be you. You are uniquely called, you are uniquely gifted to be a servant of God. There's no one else in the world that gets to do what you do. I want you to think about that. You have been called for a specific mission. You guys can't do what I do. I can't do what you do. To be successful we have to come together and do this all together. Abraham is, he he is old. He is not able to make this journey at this time. He can't go back to, to his homeland and say it's time to have a a bride sent for for my son Isaac to fulfill the promise that God has given me. No, he must rely on sending a servant. We must rely on each other. We're not going to be able to do it on our own. As much as Abraham wanted to see these prophecies fulfilled in his lifetime, not everything you're going to be able to see. You're not going to be able to do it all yourself. We can't all do it on our own. We need to allow others to, to come alongside and serve. As we, we look back and we wonder, you know, what's you know what the big issue with the Canaanites, why Abraham was so opposed to this land. I've already touched on the land of the promise. But I want you to go back a little bit in, in Genesis where we we see Noah as he's gotten off the ark and he is he's been profusely embarrassed by his three children because of his nakedness. This was a man who got drunk and his nakedness was uncovered. And well, what happens? He wakes up the next morning and realizes it. And he curses his son Canaan. Where's Abraham? What land is he in? He's in the land called Canaan. He's in the the land that that, um, was named after Noah's son. This is the land where where Canaan dwelt. And so Abraham is not going to take a wife from a cursed people. And so we need to realize that, that Abraham, he knows his history well. And he knows what God has promised. And he, he is not going to allow the, the, the line that would bring the Messiah to ever be tainted. And I want us to, to realize you know, these, these very last, last words that, that we've read that Abraham here has spoken. You know, at one point in time, Abraham said, you, you have given me no offspring. But now we, we read and hear that these are the actual very final words of Abraham. And Abraham is a man in his final words of absolute faith. He does not doubt at all that God is going to provide for his son. He does not doubt that God is going to show the right woman to his servant. And I think as we we go through life, there are going to be times where we really doubt, we we struggle with our faith, and we're, we're really having a hard time with it. And we just don't see how it's going to happen. We have a hard time making sense of the way things have gone in our life. But this this reality should be true for all of us. Because the older we get, the longer that we've been in our walk, our faith should be increasing and increasing with, with our the process that we call sanctification. A, a day will come where you'll be called home in glory and you will be fully sanctified. But like Abraham, you should be growing in your faith always. There may be doubts that you have now. Doubts of how you're going to provide for your children, or, or doubts of, of how the bills are going to get paid, those very human doubts we have, or doubts if you'll have enough to, to retire. But all those doubts we should put aside and know that God provides. I've never heard once of a, a Christian starving to death. It may not be in steak and lobster, but God provides. He provided in the wilderness, He provided His Son. There's nothing God will withhold from you if you're in his will. Now I want to want us to see that this, this servant has, has a great amount of faith and he he doesn't ask for a miracle from God. But he goes to this well and and he approaches this well and he says, "God, let let as the young women come out, let one offer me something to drink." And then let her say, you know, "I will also feed your camels." You know, this this is something that we may look at it and we, we have these ideas of Of what these wells would look like but I want us to understand that these wells were deep. That these these wells actually had stairs going around that you would go down and drop your bucket in and bring it back up. Who here knows how much a camel could drink in 10 minutes? One camel could drink 25 gallons of water in 10 minutes. He had 10. Do the math. 250 gallons of water. The average bucket of that day we believe to be three gallons. This was not just do, just lowering a little bucket down into the water and pulling it back up and giving it to the camels. She would have had to make, make at least 80 trips down. This was no light task that she performed. This was not some, some by chance. This was a, a, a woman who was, had a generous character. This would have taken her about two hours of work. And it would have been work going up and down those stairs, carrying that bucket, feed, feeding, filling up that trough as the camels slop that water down real quick. If you've ever seen a camel, they're, they're, they're not the most majestic creatures in the world. You know. And, and they would devour that water from this long journey. You know, This journey uh, in this chapter we, we read about, we see the servant is with Abraham. The next thing you know, we see the servant is at the well. That's about a thousand mile journey. These camels are tired. These camels are thirsty. And so what this what this servant does is, is we, we wouldn't call it a miracle. He doesn't ask God to move time and space. He doesn't ask God to supernaturally change molecules. He doesn't ask that the water be turned into wine or anything like that. But, but he asks that God would show this sign that this woman would have a generous heart and be willing to, to feed the camels. And that woman's name is Rebecca. And she would end up being Isaac's wife but I want us to see that the God of Scripture is not simply a God of miracles who occasionally interjects into human affairs. There's a lot of people that kind of see God as that. It's like, when things are getting really bad, God will step in and help people out. God is there guiding you every single day of your life. There's nothing that's happened in your life that God has been caught by surprise by. He wasn't caught by surprise when Adam and Eve took that fruit and betrayed Him. Sinned. He wasn't surprised when Hitler rose to power. And believe it or not, he wasn't surprised at our election. God knows. God is in control. God is sovereign. He establishes the rulers. He establishes our steps. And he he knew exactly when the servant would get there. And he knew exactly when Rebecca would come out. And he has arranged for Isaac and Rebecca to come together. Notably about this servant, he is the first person described in Scripture as asking for divine guidance at a critical juncture. I would hope most of us do that. When when you're facing a really tough decision, I hope you just don't go like, "Well, this or that." Let's just go. We should be going before the Lord in prayer and asking for guidance and asking for affirmation. I uh, I shared on Facebook. I don't know if I shared with most of you guys here. Maybe on Wednesday night I did. But my very last. Uh, job role I had in IT was I had to go replace a keyboard like half an hour before I left for the day. I went and replaced the keyboard and on this on this young man's desk there is a little book called Jesus for the Win. It is literally a gospel tract that takes the gospel of John and puts it into video game or gamers they would understand. So instead of the resurrection you have respawn, th- things like that that's very um, a very modernized version of the gospel. And I kind of I kind of joked and said, "Well, there's a one, one final uh, affirmation in a very geeky way for, for me as I was doing that. You know, that's something that as I was praying and feeling the conviction to to go full time and to give up the IT job, I prayed that that God would um, God would give the same message to my wife. And before I even really spoke to her about it, she was encouraging me to do it. And so I, I knew God was moving. And God also used Brother Darren." And, and so you, you you can ask for God to to give you information. You could ask for God to to go before you and help you make these decisions. You, you are not alone. God is God is not some some far off God that is not not knowable. He is very personal. That's why we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's what we all need to have, and we all need to to be enriching that relationship. Be reading the Word of God that He has given us. This is the most direct way of how he speaks to us. We need to be in prayer. prayer. Prayer is very much like a conversation. You're talking to a holy God and you've been given that right by his son. But who here would have a conversation or a relationship with somebody very long if they never spoke to them? You know, we have those things like Facebook and Twitter. Like I have 300 friends on Facebook. I think I know maybe 20 of them. 20 of them I consider actual friends. That's what we, we talk. We have, we have re- relationship. And it's the same way with God. We, we need to be in a, in a relationship with God. Speaking to Him in prayer. Listening for, for Him to speak to us. The problem is many of us will, will speak to God, but we shut, you know, we shut the ears off. We, we don't want to hear what He has to say back. But sometimes we don't like to hear what God has to say. Sometimes God's, God's words to us are not always pleasant. They're, they're not always ones we like to hear. Sometimes those answers to our prayers are no, or sometimes those answers are, you know, you you're, you got sin in like your life. You need to get get rid of this. You need to get right. We don't like to hear that. As we go on. I want us to um, we'll look about it in the, the weeks ahead, but I want us to realize that there's a much more going on here than that meets the eye. Rebecca has a brother, doesn't she? Who knows Rebecca's brother's name? His name is Laban. Where have we heard that name before? In a little while, Isaac will have a son, and his name will be Jacob. And Jacob will go back to the land of his fathers. And he'll, he'll meet this man named Laban. And Laban has two daughters, Rachel and Leah. You know, so the, there's a long history of this, this family that that, that goes that goes back, and we'll, we'll run into Laban again. But Laban has always been a crafty man, a kind of a con artist, if you will. And he has recognized what has happened here. God is richly blessed to Abraham. And he sent his servant with many mighty gifts. And the servant had, has given these gifts to Rebecca. He's given these gifts to, to her family. And so even that they've agreed to allow her to leave in the morning with the servant to, to go meet her new groom, go meet Isaac, they say, no, let her wait another 10 days. What are they doing? They're trying to get a little, little more presence out of, out of the servant. They're trying to extort them for a little bit more money. It's not a wise thing to do with God's people. And so the servant right, rightly recognizes what's going on here, and he desires to go back home. This is not his land. He desires to be with Abraham. You know, Abraham is his master, but Abraham is like a father to him. He longs to be with Abraham. Abraham is aging, and you will, you know, we're, we're one chapter away from the, the death of Abraham. It's coming up very soon. This servant wants to get home. He wants to be with the great man of faith, the man that's called a friend of God. What we we have here is they ask Rebecca, and she says she wants to go. I want I want us to realize that while Laban is not the most honorable character, Rebecca is. Rebecca longs to to go and and meet, and and she likely has heard the stories about Abraham and this great man in the family who who spoke with God, and and he got up and he left. And he trusted God, and now he's come back with this servant, and he's got money. He's got a lot of money. And so she recognizes that God has really blessed this man. He sent a servant with ten camels. Most people in that that day and age, they did not own ten camels. This was not a, a common thing be the equivalent today of somebody owning 10 cars. And we might have that one family across the street, but those those cars need some work. These were nice camels. The the reality is the town would have been in awe of these servants of Abraham. How much more will they be in awe of Abraham and his son Isaac? So Rebecca agrees to get up and and move to the land that that she has never been to. She, She has never seen Isaac. I want us to see the amount of, of faith that Rebecca has here. She believes that the, the, the promise that has been given to Abraham is now a promise to her. That through, through her, all nations will be called blessed. Through her, the Messiah will come. Through her, Abraham will have so many descendants you cannot number them. She is now a part of God's divine plan. God's amazing providence cannot be denied. Laban's mouth here is muzzled. And both both the father and the brother have now now agreed to marriage. The family of Abraham have agreed to to allow this son and daughter to be joined together. So they sent away, as it says in verses 59 and 60, They sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate them. What is going on here? It's very peculiar. May you become thousands of ten thousands. That's not a usual blessing, departing thing you say. Imagine if uh, next Sunday morning when we're getting ready to leave, and I say, may you become thousands of ten thousands. That would be, strike you a little odd. But they realize the promise that has been given to Abraham. Abraham believed the promise. His family now re- believes the promise because they see the fruit that, that has gone on in Abraham's life. And finally, we get to what I call faith's reward. They make that long journey back home, and there is a, a man who's watching out in the fields, and he runs runs up to uh, the servant and Rebecca, and she she asks who this is, and and the servant said this is Isaac, and it says immediately, not days from now. They didn't say they didn't do the Chad and Shelby thing and say in ten years we'll we'll plan the date. Immediately. Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. I wish they could. we could say they lived happily ever after, but we know there's more to the story. But Isaac recognized the promise of God. And, and here, in the, the pains and the thralls of, of death, losing his mother, here he has been given a bride by God. And he goes into the very place where his mother dwelt. And now the two become one. And now we have the the beautiful marriage of Isaac and Rebecca. There may not have been a lot of fanfare. You know, a lot of weddings we see now in today's day. There's hundreds and hundreds of people. And there's thousands and thousands upon ten thousands of dollars that are spent. There was no lavish marriage that we see here. But we see immediately these two connect. And they become one. We see that God provides and controls in in many grand arenas in our lives. History, nature, the lives of individual people. God's provincial control of life is illustrated by virtually every narrative in the Bible. God was in control. God knew when Sarah was going to go. God knew when it was time for for Isaac to be married. You know how old Isaac is at this point? He's not not what I would consider a young lad. He's not old. But he is forty he is 40 at this point in time. It's time for Isaac to get going and get started a family. You know, I know in our day and age, you know, somebody turns 40, you know, especially if they're ladies, you know, a lot of people are elbowing them, saying, "What's going on?" You know, we put that pressure on people. But it, but Isaac waited on God's timing, and he waited on a woman that was approved both by God and his father. And so, it in the dying moments that we'll we'll talk about um, next time we're together on a Sunday evening with Abraham, with his, his, his death, we will see that Isaac and Rebekah, they continue the promise, they continue the journey. And so it, I'd encourage you tonight that whatever God has promised to you or whatever you're going through in life, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and, and that you need to, to seek it out and to trust. It's not always to tru- easy to trust God, especially when things get very hard, especially when we lose loved ones. It beca- become very difficult. But at the, the, end, the end of the day, the reality is we, we, will, we will all pass on or we'll be raptured home. But the things that we do in this life, the things that matter are the things that we do for eternity. It's the things that we do for Christ that will last. And so we, we see Isaac and Rebecca and, and all the wealth that they had, it, it is long gone by now. But what remains is, is their love and their their children. And the great testimony they have offered the world. We talk about the 12 tribes of Israel. Isaac and and Rebekah are the grandparents of the 12 tribes. God God is orchestrating his plan right right here before us. And it is a beautiful thing to do. And Isaac and Rebekah probably had very little idea of how big they would play a part in the picture of God. Like all of us, we are here and we don't really know how important we are to the grand scheme of God. But I guarantee you, you are more important than you can ever imagine. You are cherished and loved by God. You and your family. God, God will do amazing things through you. And you may not be able to see the, the fruits of what you've done for generations to come. Would Isaac know how important he would be? Would, would Rebecca know? The time, time will soon come. If we fast forward a little bit, we could get to, to the, uh, Rebecca's children. She has twins. Esau and Jacob. Isaac loved Esau. He, he was a man's man, a grisly, hairy man who liked to hunt. But Rebecca favored Jacob. And it's through Jacob that the promise would continue, that the nation would be established. It's through Jacob where we really see people go from a family to a nation what, what would have happened if rebecca would not have been there you know we don't we don't know how big the importance of our lives to other people is until we could look back and as we could do with holy scripture and look back and see the big picture and what, what has been happening you may go through your life and think you haven't mattered much to god you matter immensely there are those that I guarantee you have affected that you have no idea. I, I look back as we're now you know, less than seven days away from ordination. And I think back about all the people that have impacted my life. I know there are many of them that, that don't ever realize how much they impacted me. And I'm sure it's the same for us with others. That there are, there are people now out there serving God that we may not know about how much we impacted them. They may have been here for a long time in the church or a short time. But they were impacted by the, the Sunday school teachers, or they were impacted by something simple like the sign being changed outside, or they, they were impacted by the preaching, or they were impacted by the, the the youth ministry. There's a thousand different ways God can use us and God will use us. But we have to believe He's going to do so. We have to be willing, as Abraham was, to have faith in the promise of God. Abraham in, in his in his dying words he does not doubt not at all as I've said he, he gives great testimony to God I pray when we all at that point when the, our very last words that will ever be recorded that they're a mighty testimony to God and not, not ones of doubt or not ones of, of not being sure you know I've had the privilege of, of doing five services now for those, those that have gone on and I've seen those that have, have been a great testimony to faith and those that have not I pray as we look and realize that death will come for us all, that the, the reality is it's our faith that will matter. It's our faith that will endure. It's the testimony that we give for Jesus Christ. As the good word says, that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not pass away. The things in life that matter are the, are the things that we do for Jesus. That testimony that we give. And when we, when we give that testimony, we are declaring to the world, We're declaring to the devil and all his demons and we're declaring most of all to God that God is on the throne, that that God deserves the glory, the honor, the power, that he alone is holy, he alone is the Savior. People look at our lives and and they they want to know more about our lives because they see the change that Jesus has had on us and they want it. Or there's some that don't want it and they, they despise it. But at the end of the day, they're despising God, not you. So keep, keep up the good fight. Have the faith. Wherever you go, whatever you're going to do this week, remember that God is in control. And that if God did this for Abraham, God is willing to do it for you. There's not a promise that, that God has given that he will, he will not fulfill. Time, God is not bound by time. And you know, a lot of times we think he is. We say, well, God has said this. All right, I'm waiting. No, Abraham had a long journey from the time when God gave him the promise till the time when the promise would be fulfilled. Abraham had a lot of growing to do. We have a lot of growing to do as a church. I have a lot of growing to do as a pastor. This is a reality. But at the end of that, the promise will be fulfilled. I'm looking forward to that day. Let us pray. Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and all my brothers and sisters gathered here, Lord. Lord, I know there are, there are hearts that are heavy, and I ask your peace be upon them, that you give them that joy. Let us remember this day the promises you have given us. Let us remember them, the mighty faith, Lord, that, that you allowed Abraham to have, and that we can partake in, Lord. We know that the day is soon coming, Lord, you you'll return to come take us home, Lord. May we remember that each and every day. May we hold on to that promise. May we serve you. This day, as if this were the very night, you were going to come and return for us, Lord. There are others in this community who do not know you, Lord God. Let us be a shining example. Let us be like a hospital where they could come and get that spiritual care. Doctors can be raised up to go to all the ends of the earth to declare your gospel. In your holy name, Jesus.